Um, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. We're going to read the first, um, uh, the first 14 verses. I, I want you guys to read with me. Let's read together. Amen. It is good to read, to read God's word. Let's read it together from the NIV version. It's, here's what the word of God says. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden of God as placed on all on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity and the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Verse 12 um, and 13. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labors, for these are gifts from God. Verse 14. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same thing happen over and over again. The word of God is already blessed. You may be seated. I want to I wanna speak from the simple thought, everything has its time. Everything has its time. It was the, the Epicurean philosophy said this, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, you, don't, you may not know Epicurean or Epicurus as uh, um, the Epicurean philosophy, but philosophers and psychologists have followed Epicurus, who was a Greek philosopher, and he was likely between 341 B.C. and 270 B.C. Um, Epicurus was in agreement with other philosophers about happiness being our ultimate human pursuit. But he suggested something very different than others had proposed in terms of how that we might look in our decision-making and behaviors. Um, he, he 
said there are four cure, a four-part cure to unhappiness. He proposed a four-cure part for unhappiness. And the term there is tetrapharmacos, which means four-part cure or four-part remedy. In other words, it's this, he believes, is like a concoction that you put together and you take it because if you are not well, it will make you well. And the four things that he proposed, um, they're going to be projected on the screen. Number one, it says God is nothing to fear. And it says death is nothing to worry about. And it says, thirdly, it is easy to acquire the good things in life. And it said it's easy to endure the terrible things in life. Now, 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 you may not find anything wrong with what it says, but there's a whole lot of wrong with what it says, even though he's trying to do the very best he can to mimic what Solomon says. And that's what we see in life as we think about the book of Ecclesiastes. It may look like a book of doom and gloom, but as we know, this is a prince. This is a prince this is a boy, when he was born, he was born with a gold spoon, as we heard from last week. Uh, um, some people born with a silver spoon, but this boy was born with a gold spoon. I watch a show with my wife called The Crown on Netflix. Okay? I, I, I'm infatuated with British, British things. So I watch this show, and, and when... Queen, the, the, the late Queen Elizabeth, when she gave birth to Prince Charles, even though she had other kids after Prince Charles, but Prince Charles was the direct heir to the throne. In other words, Prince Charles was not treated like everybody else was treated. Prince Charles, pretty much everywhere he goes, somebody is watching him. Why? Because he's the next in line. And, and think about Solomon being who he was, born, and now y'all got to know that Bathsheba is Solomon's mama. All right? You, you, you guys know David and Bathsheba? So now Solomon has lived everything you can imagine. Solomon has lived his life and at the end of his life, this is a diary that he has written to pretty much, and some, some scholars believe that he wrote this for both Jewish folks and non-Jewish folks. And in the context of non-Jewish folks, it's because that Solomon had entertained so many kings and queens and, 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 and elected officials around the world and, and, and stuff like that. And so now he and his parting letter and his, and his life, at the end of his life, he, his, he wrote this book to tell them that this is what the purpose of life is. This is the meaning of life. Even though he had everything he wanted, he said, well, y'all, listen, let me tell you, it, it's, this is it. Nowadays, there are some philosophers that you will pay money to listen to. There are some people, if Beyonce come to town and it's a Sunday at 12.30, I may not see you. Some of you may go for, for, for the Queen Bee. If, if, if whomever, your favorite rapper, uh, um, Kodak Black or whomever, if they're doing something, I know, you only need Jesus. But if they're doing something, 
You may not be entertained because the, if, you may not come to church because you'll be like, well, this is once in a lifetime. Right? Solomon wrote this in a sense and said, well, y'all, this is it. This is the purpose. Even though y'all come to me, and, 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 and let, let, me, let, me give it, let me give it away. And in verse 12, it says the purpose of this is to fear God. I believe it says that's in verse 12. It says, it says this. It says, I know that there's nothing. No, let me start with verse 11. I don't have a, see, that's what happens when you don't have a um, hard copy Bible. It says this, verse 11, verse 10. It says, I know I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. I know. There's nothing for people to be happy. Did I skip it? No, I did not skip it. Okay, there's nothing for people. Hold on, technology. There's nothing for people to be happy and to be good while they live. That, that each may eat and drink, find satisfaction uh, um, from, the, from all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything will endure. Nothing can take, verse 14, this is it. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken, taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. What the purpose of life is, is for you to fear God. And Epicurus said, God is nothing to fear. That could be true. That could be true. I'm going to come to that in the conclusion of my sermon. But for that to be true... You must know Jesus. You're with me? For that to be true, you got to fear Jesus. God is nothing to be feared only when you are his child. But if you are not a children, a child of God, you better fear God. See, God is not just what people make him to be. You know, it's not the Western God where, you know, never can claim it and back a ticket to the bank. It's not just that God. He's a holy God. He needs to be revered. Now, 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 Epicurus made this for statements and he advised people to meditate on them day and night. Now, I got two points for my sermon because Solomon, Solomon, Presented throughout this book an argument in chapter 1, verse 4 through 11, which we preached on two weeks ago. And now Solomon brings this argument to basically prove or argue what he talked about the monotony of life, that when he says, All you're doing is chasing air. Now Solomon, watch this. Solomon said in his argument, he examined, it discovered four factors that we must consider before we said that life is meaningless. That's, that, that's what the book says. That's the first thesis of the book. It says life is meaningless. And now Solomon's going to give four reasons over three chapters to kind of argue that. Today I'm going to cover two. I'm going to cover, it, it, says, it says this. First one. I'm going to cover two of them today. It says first, he saw... Something above men. In other words, God was in control of time 
and who balance of experience. That's in chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. We're going to see this in a moment. Then second, Solomon saw something within men that linked men to God. In other words, eternity is in the heart of men. God created us with eternity in mind. Thirdly, which is the end of chapter uh, um, 3, which uh, um, Brother Dave will preach next week, Solomon saw something ahead of men. The certainty of death. That's chapter 3, verse 15 to 22. And then finally, it's like a whole big block of uh, um, text. Chapter 4, um, 1 through 5, 9. He saw something around men. The problems and the burdens that we deal with around life. Now, this is how Solomon put the idea or the notion of life is meaningless. Now, he's going to argue it. Now, if you want to see, let, let, let's, let's kind of argue it with Solomon together. Number one, God, others time. We've got to look up because God is the one who ordered our time. You don't have to be a philosopher or a scientist to know that times and seasons are a regular part of life. And the first eight verses that we read, a time, a time, a time, a time, a time, you know, a time to, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to reap, a time to sow, a time to be happy, a time to be sad, that's a poem. That's a nice poem. And, and, and literally the poem has 14 statements that makes in it. And, and, that's, and those 14 statements, what Solomon affirmed is that God is at work in our individual lives seeking to accomplish his will. You all missed that. Let, let, let me say it again. And what you look at in those 14 statements, God is at work in my life and in your life seeking to accomplish his purpose or his will for our life. Um, and those 14 statements, um, you see, all these events come from God. And they are good in their time. Now, I, I can preach a whole new sermon and just focus on the positive aspect of that list. Um, it's in your Bible. Listen, if I were to tell you a time to be born, a time to plant, uh, uh, um, no, a time to be born, a time to uproot, a time to heal, a time to build up, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to gather stones, a time uh, uh, um, to embrace, a time to, uh, um, to search, a time to keep. Y'all know Haitian, y'all bunch of hoarders, you love to keep things. A time to mend, a time to speak. We don't want to be silent. You know, a time to love and a time for peace. If I want to, that, that's the whole, those are the positive. But guess what? That's not all Solomon said. <laughs> that's, that, that's not all of it. Because now he puts it parallel. It's a parallelism. See? You see? Let me, let, 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 let me, let me help you out real quick. It says a time to be born and a time to die. Two things you have no control over, none whatsoever. Listen, maybe I'm not preaching that good, but did you hear what I said? 
a time to be born. None of you knew or could have scheduled your birth. And, and, and I wish I can schedule my death. But I can't. And here is the thing. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, it's coming. Now, this is a good poem. It's a good poem. It's a great, great poem. Because the, 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 the ebb and flow to what Solomon teaches us, it gives us a balance. Now, now, unless you start focusing on the negative, you don't realize, the, the, you, you may not realize the profundity of, of the, if you, don't, if you don't look at what's considered to be negative, you may not see the profundity of the, the depth of the poem. But, but, but see, what Solomon is saying here in this poem, we don't get to choose what we want on the list. Okay, you're, you're, not, you're not feeling the preacher, but, but I'm not preaching good. We don't get to choose contrary to what your favorite bishop, prophet, prophet lie over your lives. You don't get to choose what God put on your plate. If you grew up in an Asian household, you know when they put rice, sospoa, and legume, for those of you who are American, you say legume is yuck. Legume is a beautiful thing. It's tasty and yummy. All right? But be like, yuck. No, guess what? Your dad has a bell, so you better eat it. You know what my, my dad used to say? How dare you, your mom, slave herself in the kitchen for you to say, I'm not going to eat what she makes. In other words, what God put here in this and this poem, you don't get to choose what you want on it. Watch this. The three things. We don't want everything on this list. I mean, nobody wants death. No, no, nobody wants hatred. Nobody wants killing. Nobody wants tear down. Nobody wants mourning. Nobody wants weeping. Nobody wants... Uh, 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 um, scattering. Uh, uh, um, nobody wants to refrain from embracing. I mean, you know what COVID did at this church, right? It's like we're a church for one to the left, one to the right. And COVID was like, <laughs> you know, like, stay away. Like, hi, God bless you. Especially if you're not vaccinated. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Right? But, but, but see, the reality of it is this. We don't want everything on the list, if we want to be honest. Anybody wants everything on the list? But we don't get to say what I get on this list. For you to live a full life, you're going to experience everything on this list. You, you, you know, you're going to experience sadness. You're going to experience happiness. You're going to experience joy. You're going to experience heartbreak. You're going to experience everything. You, you, you know, uh, um, I think I was talking to the, to the great deacon, the preacher, 
And we realize that mortality is in our neighborhood. People that we know are dying. People our age are dying. You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, what do I know about death? Death is for all people. But now, you can look. You and I, we all know people. It doesn't matter if they are two years old or 100 years old. People are dying. So we don't get to experience, we don't get to choose what's on the list, nor do we get to choose which part we want on the list. And if your preacher, if your favorite preacher tells you that, they're lying. You can name it or claim it. You can give your, your best seed. That's not going to exempt you from experiencing death. You can give your best seed. That's not going to exempt you from experiencing heartache and heartbreak. You, 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 you know, when, when people say, I do, that's the best day of your life. I remember December 27, 2008, standing there, and I don't remember what Dr. Gaston preached about, but he preached, and Pastor Clevo said, do you? I said, yes, I do, I do, I do, I really do. But in the process of I do, we've experienced heartbreaks. We've experienced pain. There's been this ebb and flow of joyful moments, but also heartbreak. Heartbreak of burying a grandparents. Heartbreak of miscarriage. Heartbreak of people that you trusted stab you in the back. Guess what? That's part of life. Now, when you think it's all happiness, it's not all happiness. Because for it to be balanced, for it to be balanced, you see it. Because here's what you also realize. For every positive that he says, there's a negative that can sold it out. So in, in other words, in other words, for every negative, there's a positive that can sold it out. Let the kids preach. They can preach. Amen. See, y'all, y'all too Haitian, to Baptist Haitian. Uh, let me not do it for my sermon. It's okay. Kids can make noise. They're kids. That's why they're in church. They make noise. It's okay. Amen. Stop, stop looking back like your parents would look back. Let me get back to my sermon. Amen. We are family. This is a family congregation. Amen. 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 When you do the editing, you can edit that part out of the sermon. Amen. Um, so if you look at it, everything cancel each other out. And from the beginning, it says a time to be born and a time to die. Do you know what the Bible says? Uh, do you know what it is? It says it's appointed, it appointed to every man to die. To die once. From the day that you come out of your mama's belly, you are racing towards your death. You know when the kids come out, they say, eh! you know what that cries for? Death. I know that that's not happy. Do you know what they cry for? Eh, that first cry? Death. Because from the moment they come out of their mama's belly, they're going to experience everything on this. So therefore, you better look up. Because God is the one that orders time. Number two, you got to look within. 
Because eternity is in your heart. Verses 9 to 14, eternity is in your heart. Solomon now, after this poem, and he asks a question. He beckons a question in verse 9, and it says this, What do workers gain from their labor? In other words, he repeats what was said in verse 3, in chapter 1, verse 3. Is this labor or is this life really worth it? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Three things and I take my seats. Number one, in verse 10, our lives is a gift from God. See, somebody better say this. My life is a gift from God. Watch this. What I've seen, the burden God has laid on the human race. Who gives the burden? God. Therefore, your life, even though it seems burdensome, but it's a gift from God. Do you know how many people would trade place with you right now? Do you know how many people would wish they were alive right now? Especially someone who died not knowing Jesus. So your life is a gift from God. In view of our labor we experience day to day, life may seem like a strange gift. But it is a gift just because God gave it to us. We exercise ourselves in trying to explain life's enigmas, but we don't always succeed. When you have the outlook that my life is a gift from God, you don't live any kind of way. You don't live any kind of way. Watch what Solomon enjoy, and now Solomon says, well, that's not really the purpose of life. Solomon, if he was in our days, he had money, power, and women. Isn't that what people are trying to do? Chase the bag? <laughs> Make their name great? And so, so you know, uh, um, sow their seeds? That's what, that, isn't that what we, we've been told? You know, live it, live it up, live it up. <laughs> Live it up, bro. Live it up, sis. Do you. But no, Solomon said, even though the monotony of life, the, 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 the travails of life, the, 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 the labor of life, he says, my life is a gift from God. What perspective? How, 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 how for, for, um, if you look at your life through the lens that it's a gift from God, has God ever given a bad gift? Can, can, can I preach here? If my life is a gift from God, who cares what they say? If my life is a gift from God, then I must live my life according to the, to the gift, to the, to, to, to the person who give me the gift that I am. I, I don't get it when people try to be their own God. When you think no one can tell you anything. No, your life is a gift from God. That's what uh, Kirk Franklin, that song, you don't have to worry. And don't you be afraid. For there's a man named Jesus. He will wipe your tears away. I know I can make it. I can make it because my life is in Jesus' hands. I wish I, wish I had a church today. I, I can make it because if it's a gift from God, God can sustain his own gift. It's not just my life is a gift, but, but not only 
I'm a gift from God, but God deposited eternity, eternity into my heart. Here it is. Men's life is linked to eternity. Verse 11. Verse 11. I promise you I'm almost done. He has made everything beautiful and it's time. Um, can, can I stop right here right quick before I get to the second, second part? He's made everything beautiful in his time. Do you know that even, if you go back to the poem, even what we consider to be negative, God made them beautiful in his own time. Um, last week we had, we had uh, um, on Friday, we had um, Pastor Kevin here and talking about beautiful suffering. You know, when you suffer with God, you may not see it now. Ah, man, I, I, I wish I had the Creole folks. I, I would say, why was Jesus not going? By and by. That's what they sing the whole song. By and by. See, sometimes something happened. How many of you, when you realize, because eternity is in your heart, certain things, even though when you lose it, it pains you. But because eternity is in your heart. You know it's better to lose that. Because you stay focused on what God placed before you. Man was created in the image of God and was giving dominion over creation. Therefore, he is different than the rest of creation. He has eternity in his heart. It is linked to heaven. That's why Solomon now says under, and in verse 1, it says, uh, um, it says this, uh, there's a time and season for everything, right? And it says a time to be born. No, it says, and season for every activity under heaven. Prior to under heaven, what Solomon was saying was under earth. That says under heaven, because for those of us who are under heaven, we have eternity in our hearts. You on the earth, do you? You go into hell. See, you are eternity is placed in your heart. This explains why nobody, including Solomon, can be satisfied with his or her own endeavor and achievement. Or is able to explain the enigma of life. God accomplishes his purpose and his time. But it will not be until we enter eternity that we will begin to comprehend God's total plan. Once again, now where Jesus, you see, y'all wasn't, y'all wasn't raised in no true Haitian church. Y'all wasn't raised with your mama. By and by, we understand by and by. That, that's, that, that's the American way, but, but the English has more weight. A little, you know, a little ahead, you're going to understand. You, you ever notice something that you really, really wanted and God took it away from you? When he took it away, you were so mad at everybody in the world. And then now you look back and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. See, that's why many people do not want to submit under God's lordship or, or, or under God's leadership or under to give their lives. Because you know why? 
We want to do what we want to do how we want to do it. If my life is a gift from God, if eternity is in my heart, but see, God didn't leave you there. He didn't leave you just there. Here's the part. Here's the part I think everybody, everybody here wants. Watch it. Men's life can be enjoyable now. I didn't make it up. It's in verse 12 to 14. You can enjoy now. It says that in the text. Watch what it says. Um, verse 12. I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to be good while they live. See? God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. But you will not be happy if you don't get to experience the gamut of life. You guys, you guys, are you guys with me? See, a baby who's been born, all they know is their mama's bosom. They want milk, they go there. But if mama's not there, any father know what I'm talking about? When your wife goes away, leave you with a baby, it's like, it's like a capital punishment. Especially if there is no food that the kid like, and there's no food like there. So in other words, that is created for them to enjoy. But the way that they really enjoy that is when it's really, the appreciation they get from it is when it's taken away from them. That's what Jesus says that, that's what God says, you cannot, you know, a, a nursing, you would have to take a, a baby from, his, from the nursing mother before, before somebody can take you away from me. See, life can be enjoyable now. The preacher or Solomon hinted at in this at two, chapter 2, verse 24, and was careful to say that this enjoyment of life is the gift of God. The enjoyment of life is an important theme in Ecclesiastes, and it's mentioned each of the four sections. Solomon is encouraging not pagan hedonism, but rather the, practices, the practice of enjoying God's gift as the fruit of one's labor. No matter how difficult life may be, if you work hard, you put God first, you get to enjoy life. Okay, let me, let me, put, it, let me put it to you this way. If you put God first, you do honest work, you get to enjoy life life. The reason why we don't enjoy life, sometimes it's not because we don't put God first, nor we don't uh, uh, um, work hard, it's because we have the thief of comparison. They got this, I wanted too, but that's not what God gave you. God gave you your own husband. God gave you all your own wife. God gave you your own boo, your own bae. God gave you your own friends. God gave you who God gave you. Enjoy what God has given you. Stop wanting to have what somebody else has. You don't know what they do. You know, sometimes you're driving your car, right? You're driving your little, your Haitian, Honda Civic, 
Toyota Corolla. You, you're driving it, but it's paid for. You pay for it. Your, your Nissan, <laughs> hallelujah, Nissan people up in here, up in here. You know, when you see somebody in one of the exotic cars, well, sometimes it's borrowed. Sometimes they can't even pay for it. Sometimes it's drug cars. Guess what? You get to enjoy your car that takes you from your home to your house because your car was gifted by God and you get to enjoy it because it's God's gift to you. But see, when we now said, I want something else. I want something that God did not give you. Like, you don't have the budget for it. Now you go buy, you go get something else. Now you can't even pay for it. Now, you, you, you know, you'd be like, electricity, uh, um, you know, medical insurance, or the car note. But all of it, you know, all the while... You had your little Civic right there taking you to work. And you don't, you, oh, what you don't know is this. There's a race right around the corner for you that's going to give you. Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I, I keep forgetting that, 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 not that, the one crowd. So it says this, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their work. This is a gift from God. <laughs> it says that we get to work. We get to eat, we get to drink, and find satisfaction in your work. Do you know that you can find satisfaction in your work? If you understand which purpose God created you for, no matter where you are, I tell people this, I tell my, my job is transactional. This is what I said. This is what the people, my, my employment is transactional. I work in two weeks, you know, how about your boy? You, you, you understand? So ain't no job going to take away my joy. Ain't no job going to take away my peace. Ain't no job going to take away my sanity. You know why? Because I go there. I know what I'm supposed to do. I do it. You pay me. We good. <laughs> we good. Y'all feel me? Y'all feel me? And see, I see all those people. Oh, my gosh. They talk. I don't care what they talk. I just do what I do. I just do what I do. Therefore, the Bible says I get to eat. I get to drink and find satisfaction in my work because it's a gift from God. Amen. So because it was God who gave me the job to begin with, it wasn't them who gave it to me. Amen. So God blessed me there. <laughs> I'm going to be happy there. I'm going to work there so I can pay my cars. I can pay my mortgage. I can pay my health insurance. I get to eat. Yes. It can be rice and sauce yes. and legumes, but I get to eat yes. because God said I get to enjoy See, when you now want somebody else's job, nah, I don't want your job. Because what's for me, it's for me. If God, give, if, God is, if God give it to me, it's mine. Life may appear to be transitory, but whenever, whatever God does is forever. So when we live for him, and we let him have his way, life is meaningful and manageable. Did you hear what I just said? When you live for God, and you let God does what he does, life is meaningful and manageable. See, I don't get it when somebody trying to have two, three women. Any man here can manage more than one woman? You can barely manage the one you got. 
Oh, won't cry. You, you know, you can better manage the one you got. But see, when you let God dictate and lead you, you get to be happy. Oh, if people would just listen to God's word and zip up and listen. The Bible says, it says this, a time to speak and a time to hush up. How many marriages would be so much better? Pastor Clever said last night, I'm like, man, boy, what's with my sermon? Mm-hmm. Bite your tongue. How, how, how many relationships with parents and children would be better if the kids would know to be quiet and honor your parents, even though you don't agree with it? How many would be better if they take an advice and follow through on it? You, you, you know, when you wise in your own eyes, you know what they call that? A fool. So life can be enjoyable right now. Now, will you get to enjoy life fully? <laughs> Listen, you get to enjoy life when you get in the presence of God. So, there, there was a, a, a British Methodist um, preacher named William Singster. And he learned that he had a progressive muscular uh, um, atrophy and could not get well. He made four resolutions and he kept them till the end. Um, he says, I will never complain. I will keep the home bright. I will count my blessing and I will try to turn it to gain. Let me say it again. He says, I will never complain. I will keep home bright. You know, people who are depressed, they like dark. You know, one side of somebody who's depressed, they don't want to get up, and they turn all the, close all the blinds. They want to take no shower. They don't want to eat. That's a, that's a classic. I don't have to be a psychologist. When you, can, when you see sunshine, sunshine, there's something it does to you. Uh, yo, yo. See, 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 until you live up north, you, you, get to, you get to appreciate sunshine. See, I, I love the sunshine state. Well, when you get in the dark days of the winter, you know, I, I, my, my Canadian brother said, amen. You know, when you, when, when, when you live in the, in the winter state and, and up north in the winter days, you don't see the sun. You see something that looks bright, but it ain't the sun. It's covered with clouds. But see, y'all in Florida, you don't, you know, me, I go out every day. Every day in my job, I go for mental, every three hours, I go for a mental health walk. So I can get some sunshine. I go for a mental health walk. I just go, I just go out and like, thank you, Lord. See, keep it bright. Count your blessings. You know, you, you, you don't know what the blessings are. Well, your life is a gift from God. Eternity is linked to you. <laughs> and whatever God gives you, you can enjoy it right now. Amen. Now, I'm done. Solomon did not say, don't worry, be happy. He didn't say that. He's promoting faith in God, not faith in faith. 
He wasn't a pie in the sky. No, it says faith is only as good as the object of faith. And the greatest object of faith is the Lord. Y'all, listen to me. You can trust God. Okay. Y'all fall asleep. I'm done. You can trust God. Did you hear what I say? You cannot trust the drug dealer. You cannot trust the pimp. You cannot trust the prostitute. You cannot trust the thieves. You cannot trust a crook. You cannot trust a liar. You cannot trust a president. You cannot, you for sure cannot trust a politician. Have you seen the commercials lately? But you can trust God. Because you know why you can trust God? What God says will happen. Whatever God ordains, he will do. Ooh, I feel like preaching now. See, ooh, now, now, now my soul gets happy. If God said it, you better believe it because he'll do it. Okay, okay. Let, 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 let me say it one more time for myself. If God said so, it will be so because it is so. If you say it, we believe it. If God says it, I believe it. You know what God says to me in this text? It says, I get to eat, I get to drink, and I get to enjoy my labor. Oh, let me say that. Let me say that one more, one more, one more time. I get to eat, I get to drink, and I get to enjoy my labor. And now, now, I can borrow some of David's words. David says, I was young, and now I'm old. I ain't never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his children should be begging for bread. Ooh, that, that means my kids will be taken care of. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Now, I'm getting excited. It says this. I am the head, not the tail. Oh, that's God's word. So, therefore, I, I'm not, I don't behave like a tail. I behave like a head. I walk like a head. I talk like a head. I act like a head. Why? Because God says I'm the head. See, if God said so, it will be so because it is so. See, I get to enjoy my life because I can trust God. I can put my faith in God. Ah. There is a philosopher who said, you know, we're like insects. We live and we die with no meaning. You live and die like the meaning. That's not true. That's not true at all. You are significant. You are significant. You know why you are significant? Your very life is a gift from God. God placed eternity in your heart. And God says, what I created, you have dominion over. Go ahead and enjoy it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is more for me than it is for y'all. But in this season of life, just understand this. Life is a gift from God. Um, Epicurus says, God is nothing to fear. Well, verse 14 tells us this. The proper attitude 
for us is to fear God. This is not cringing. This is not the cringing of a slave before a cruel master. But it's rather the submission of an obedient child to a loving parent. You all hear what I said? To fear God, to fear God is loving submission of a child, loving submission of a child to a loving parent. Um, My favorite Puritan, Thomas Watson, said this, eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. Eternity to the wicked is a night that has no sunrise. Y'all just missed it. I just bless you with, with, with Thomas Watson. Eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. Eternity to the wicked is a day that has no sun. Is a night with no, uh, that has no sunshine, no sunrise. You, you know what they said? The, the sun rises from where and sets. So when you live out west, you get a late. You get a late day. That's why when we watch the Lakers play at 8 p.m. on TNT, it's like bright daylight, you know, bright daylight. Miami Heat plays down here at 8 p.m., it's dark. Well, listen, eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. Therefore, when you are with God, the sun will never set for you. You know why the sun will never set? Can, 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 I, can, can I do a little play right there? Because you know why the sun will never set? Because the sun already set it off. Amen. See, the sun will never set in your life because the sun, capital S-O-N, already set it off for you. See, see, that's why I love that good old song. Nothing in this world will satisfy. Your presence is heaven to me. Anybody knows that even as you think about every, everything as it's time. But see, when you're with God, when you're with Jesus, there's no time for you. Because each day with him, each day with him, you get to look up. You get to look up because your life is a gift from him. And you get to look within because he placed eternity in your heart. God has set everything for a time. You can enjoy it. You can experience everything in life. That's the lesson Solomon wants us to have today. That's the lesson. Everything has a time. Everything has its time. When the bad comes, know that God is with you. When the good comes, God is even there. When the ugly comes, God is there too. Because everything has its time. May God bless you.